Um, how was the rest of your trip? Trip was good. It was really mellow. Uh, we didn't we didn't do a whole lot. We had a beach day one of the days, and the next day we just kind of chilled and dyed our hair and painted our nails and did chill stuff. I have so much going on this month. I'm so overwhelmed. It was nice to just have like a relaxing time of not doing anything. I'm Jen. I'm Liz. And we're Harmless Harlots. What does that mean? To us, it means being open to having more than one relationship, however you define it, as long as everyone gives fully informed, enthusiastic consent. It's also an homage to our Polly Bible, The Ethical Slut, which we recommend if you want to learn more. We are enthusiasts, not experts in this field. So if you want to learn and explore along with us, we give you our knowing, enthusiastic consent to come along. I saw a TikTok that talked about foot fetishes. He said it's the most common fetish. I'm not sure if that's true, but he said the most common fetish is foot fetishes. And that's because in the brain, you're like the sensory part of your genitals is very close to the ones for your feet. And so that's why foot fetishes are a thing. I also, when I was like doing some writing about, um, kinks i look up the difference between kink and fetish and according to my very like one page that i looked at they said kink is something that you like sexually but a fetish is something that you have to have in order to get aroused interesting i I had not heard that definition of fetish yeah me either but i was curious as to like what was the difference between kink and fetish and According to the one thing I read, they were like, kink is like something that, you know, like excites you, but fetish is something that you have to have to get aroused. So people probably just like huh. have commonalized the word fetish and like, but, um, so that was interesting. Yeah. I did not, I was not familiar with that definition of the word fetish. Um, I have definitely been misusing that then. <laughs> yeah. But it was also, I don't know. I really liked that TikTok because it was just like, yeah, kinks are valid. Like it's just who you are like it's okay if you're consenting adults it's okay (laughs) (laughs) um another interesting tiktok i saw that i may have sent you but was a black woman who was responding to a tiktok of a white woman being like i don't want to get married because it's you know oppression and so i i did know googling about this but basically her response was like She was like, it's so interesting to see how black and white women think about marriage differently because she was like, um, and this is just one person's perspective. I haven't Googled this at all, but she was like specifically like the African-American black community. They, you know, like in slavery, like they weren't allowed to get married usually to like who they wanted, um, like whenever they wanted. And so what I took away from it is she was like, while white women see it as like this like tool of oppression and are like very against it, black women kind of see it as a privilege because it historically has been something that they haven't been allowed to have. So I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's hard because you grow up with only your perspective and you experience the world through your own lens and you don't realize how much that shapes the way you see things until you know, you start trying to see it through other people's lenses and you're like, whoa, mine is way different. <laughs> <laughs> you see that with uh, with men and women a lot, too, mm, where yeah. men will just be like, yes, this obvious thing. And women are like, mm, 
no. <laughs> <laughs> like when, uh, I think I said it before, but when I was traveling with Joe and Joe was like, oh, I love doing solo travel. And I was like, yep, if I weren't a woman, be great. <laughs> but I would get raped and murdered. Speaking of differences between men and women, when I was listening, editing the last podcast, I had this idea of kind of what you mentioned with um, Rick and Kelsey. Um, they should make like a unicorn dating app or you could call it a triad dating <laughs> app um yeah. but like essentially like individuals would have partners but they would like be linked to like if there was a couple then like the profiles would be linked and they kind of do this on okcupid i got on okcupid for a bit and i didn't love it because essentially it's kind of like the opposite of tinder like people write fucking novels about themselves <laughs> and it's like i am not that dedicated to reading all these novels. I don't care. So yeah. I didn't do that. Um, but they did have a thing where like, it, it was, it's a very poly friendly. I don't know if it was like invented like specifically for poly people, but like, okay. Cupid was not made for poly people. Well, okay. Anyway, but like you could, if you had a partner, then like you could list it on your profile and it would link it to your partner's profile. Wow. But, but so what I'm saying, and like maybe OkCupid already does this, but like it would be a dating app with Tinder, but like if you swiped right on someone, then if they did have a partner, it would show you their partner's profile and be like, do you also like their partner? And you could, you know, indicate yes or no. And then if it was a yes, then be like, okay, then you guys could see if a triad works. And if not, then it's like, okay, yeah. then maybe just date this one person. So that's my latest app idea. I also... I've been thinking about this more now that we're not in a panorama anymore. Or at least we're vaccinated. We're still in the panorama. But I would love it even if, like, my partners were just friends with each other. Because, like, all of my partners have so many things, like, in common. And I think a lot of them would vibe. And, like, it still pains me that Rick and Zach never got to meet. Because, like, I think they would have vibed so hard. And I think they would have gotten along so well. And it's sad that they're never going to get to meet and be friends. And I think it would be cool if my partners were even just friends. And also, like, obviously, as a bisexual person into threesomes and stuff, it'd be cool if we could fuck them all at the same time. But, <laughs> but I think it would also be cool if my partners were just friends, because my partners have a lot in common, aka me. So, you know, that was, I think, that was one of the lines in The Ethical Slut when they were talking about having your partners meet each other, was they were like, they've at least got one thing in common, you. So, you know... <laughs> They should be pals. <laughs> yeah, that was um, two thoughts. One is that that just reminds me of when my current partner met my current best friend and they did not get along because both of them hate meeting new people. And <sighs> that's my problem, too, is I keep falling for fucking introverts. Why do I keep going for introverts? <laughs> My um, my partner said that she gets kind of aggressive when she meets new people, and my best friend gets very shy when he, he meets new people. So they did not love each other when they first met in person. I think Do they, they love get each a, other now. <laughs> well, no, I they haven't met since then because they live in different places. Um, I think I was they would, say, I, I thought they still didn't vibe. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. I think they would get along fine because, like as you've said, like since that time, like I've just kind of been planting seeds. I've been like, oh, like you like this, so do so do so does the other person, like. 
that's something you guys have in common. And they do have very similar energies, which I think is just why they didn't get along, because they are a little too similar in some ways. Yeah, they unfortunately did not have the greatest uh, first impressions of each other. I think if we got together again, they've both calmed down enough and I've talked them up to each other enough that I think they would be fine, maybe? I don't know. (laughs) Um, But the second thing was that... um, kind of what you mentioned is called, and here, let me Google it because I want to get it right. But there's this phrase that's called kitchen table polyamory. And let's see how the internet defines it. Okay, kitchen table polyamory is a new term, even in poly circles. It refers to poly relationships where everyone in the polycule is comfortable sitting together at the kitchen table with a cup of coffee. Folks who prefer kitchen table polyamory want to know their metamors and be friends with them. They may want their kids and their metamors kids to spend time together or their metamors other partners to be comfortable calling them up to plan a surprise party together. The other way is parallel polyamory is a companion term to kitchen table polyamory. It refers to poly relationships where the relationships run in parallel and don't interact. Yeah. See, I want a tribe. Like my whole thing has always been like, I want to build a tribe and like, I don't have to be fucking everybody and everybody else doesn't have to be fucking everybody else. But like some people will presumably be fucking, but I just want like a solid tribe network of people, you know, like I want everybody vibing with everybody, even if they're not fucking everybody. Although if you're vibing, you know, why aren't you fucking? But you know, yeah, I own. mean, I think that would be ideal. But I mean, I think sometimes there just are people who don't vibe and that's OK. I know. <laughs> I know. But it'd be great if everybody just vibed. <laughs> I guess speaking of people fucking, I also saw a TikTok, <laughs> um, which was this guy who said, based on like research that like he and his were doing, he was like, people who define themselves as like friends with benefits, they found that like those relationships, they have just as much sex as like normal which like define that how you will but like relationships that are presumably more committed emotionally than friends with benefits in those like friend friends with benefits versus other i guess i'll just call it um they have the Mm -hmm. same amount of sex and they cause about the same amount of like disruption in your life like they take up about the same amount of time but Mm -hmm. the only difference is that like friends with benefits um don't provide as much emotional support as like other relationships uh, as like, I don't know, more committed, more emotional relationships. I don't know. Um, And so the point he was like, I don't really see the benefit of this friends with benefits then because it's like the same amount of work as like an, um, uh, a more emotional relationship, but without the emotional support. Um, So I thought that was interesting. That is interesting. So Rick and I, what we have defined as our relationship is primarily a friends with benefits ship. Yeah, I. it's hard for me because I haven't had a lot of traditional relationships. So Rick would be able to speak to this better than I could. But I would say, yes, it is probably less emotional commitment, support, investment than your traditionally defined relationship. But like we are still emotionally supportive of each other like we do still have intimate conversations and support each other i would disagree 
agree with the analysis that it is quote unquote as much work as a traditional relationship. Well, he didn't, he didn't say work, <clears throat> and I don't think he said disruption, but he said like it takes about the same amount of investment, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Part of so when Rick and I were discussing terms of our relationship and labels and stuff, part of what we liked about the term friends with benefits versus partner and other things that were more formal sounding, part of what we liked about it was the kind of relationship anarchy angle of like when you say someone is a girlfriend or boyfriend or partner or whatever there's like expectations people have whereas when you call them a friends with benefits or like i also like the term lover the only thing that's communicated is like you are having sex and you are friends and like that is the crux of our relationship is we are we're very good friends like when we were going through our labels and we said we were friends with benefits i was like yes but the the friends piece is like in bold face and capitalized so it's like big friends with benefits. <laughs> the benefits are part of it, but like the main thing is the friendship. The meat of it is the friendship. So like the, there's, <clears throat> one of the things Rick said that I really liked was that he felt like he could be more authentic in friends with benefits ship because there are less expectations that he feels pressured to fulfill when he takes on the label of boyfriend, which again is a label I don't love anyway. So I don't think I would agree, at least in the case of Rick and I, which granted is a case study, so who knows what the aggregate trend is, but at least in the case of Rick and I, I don't think I would agree that we put in as much work as your traditional relationship would have. But I think we still provide each other with emotional support, like definitely not as much as, you know, one might in a committed monogamous relationship, but like there is still emotional support and but I wouldn't say work. Like we don't, none of it has felt like work, you know? And I think that's part of what makes it great is it hasn't been, I mean, there have been moments that have been harder, like when we've had disconnects and needed to have serious conversations, like those have definitely been work still sounds like a weird term, but I guess work, but we haven't had a lot of that. And part of that is probably due to the fact that our friends with benefits ship has been in a little bubble throughout all of COVID. So we're in kind of a weird, unique position in the panorama. But yeah, I don't think I would say, at least in my, and, and not, with, not with Rick, I guess I've had a lot of friends with benefits. So Rick is not my only point of reference here. And I would say in most of my friends with benefits ship, I don't think I have put in as much work as I see my friends putting in with their more formal monogamous partners because it's always just been like we've always just kind of flowed you know it's always just been we're having a good time we will do this as long as we're having a good time and it makes sense and when it stops making sense and we stop having a good time we'll stop doing it and it, it's always just been very casual what works works and when it doesn't we stop and i think that's what I like about friends with benefits ship and having lovers versus more formal partners is that it's just neither of us is sacrificing um, really anything, <laughs> you know, like I see in traditional relationships, a lot of like compromises and sacrifices and things um, on sometimes very grand scales. And I've told you this before. I think we are at an age in our early 20s where it's important to be selfish and to like learn 
who we are as people and explore and focus on self-growth. And I think when I have seen friends commit to relationships and maybe they weren't doing it in healthy ways and maybe there are better ways to do it. But when I've seen a lot of friends commit to relationships, they have sacrificed a lot of their personal exploration and growth in favor of supporting a partner. And some people see that as very noble and maybe it is, but it is my personal opinion that at this age, um, it is important to be selfish and focus on self-discovery and, uh, yeah, I mean, that doesn't mean that my friends with benefits haven't like supported each other. Like we we do provide each other with emotional support. I'm still very close with a lot of the people that have been my lovers. Like I am going to see one of them in California next week and I'm very excited to see him. And I, I do get a lot of emotional support from a lot of them, especially once the sexual part ends. Often we get even more close emotionally. So like there still is emotional support from lovers and friends with benefits, but I... It, it is definitely a more selfish relationship and it is it is less compromises, less sacrifices than I think one typically expects out of a more formal partnership. And that is kind of what I like about it. I don't know if that makes me a shitty person, but like I think it's important, particularly when you're young, to put yourself first and to figure yourself out. Because I think if you don't do that, then you get older and you don't know who you are and what you want. And, and that's bad. So... Yeah, I've I've known too many people, particularly women. I have known so many mm. women who sacrificed their youngest, most adventurous, explorative years supporting men who did not deserve them. I oh, <laughs> so many men who did not deserve my fabulous female friends. Um, and yeah, I just I think in part because I've seen so many crappy relationships. I didn't want that for myself. I saw what it did to them. And I was like, no, I'm not going to sacrifice my authenticity and my time of exploration for a man's emotional development. Because Lord knows so many men need help with their emotional development. And like, I've provided a fair bit of that, but like, I'm not sacrificing all of yeah. my younger years to doing that. I don't know. I've been rambling for a long time. You cut it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm you had lots of thoughts on that. So I'm glad, I'm glad you could express them. <laughs> um, I think I was, I was typing notes of things to remember to bring up. Okay. Um, but so I guess my first thing is like for this, you know, and it's, it's, I don't think it's even like an official published study. It is just like a TikTok I saw, but I think my first thing is like, um, it probably, is very amodonormative and specifically monogonormative in their research. And I imagine that like the people who they studied are probably, you know, very kind of heteronormative, amodonormative, straight mainstream people. And so their friends with benefit situations might not be as, you know, communicative and consensual and like laying yeah. out what we want and what we expect. So they may not yeah. be as good a quality friends with benefits relationship <laughs> as somebody who is trained in the ways of yeah. communication. I've been doing this for a long time and <laughs> I have had many years. I've really since I was 17, this is what I have been doing is just long-term extended friends with benefits ships. Like that has been my relationship style for I'm 25 now. So for like eight years at this point, 
So I have perfected the art of the friends with benefits ship. I would like, maybe not perfected, but I, I have honed my skills in crafting good friends with benefits. <laughs> yeah, um, but also what you said about Rick saying that he thought he could be more authentic in a friends with benefits situations, that also just makes me think that like in society and in monogamous relationships, like we've talked about this before, because there are so many like defaults and it is kind of, you know, the quote unquote norm that like a lot of people don't take the time to like explicitly express what they want and what they expect and ask their partner what they Uh want and what they expect. So they end up with all these, like, like he mentioned, like these pressures and like these expectations. And it's like, yeah, well, then you should address those and see where you guys mm-hmm. stand. And then maybe mm-hmm. you won't feel that way. And if you don't have compatible mm-hmm. wants and needs, then maybe you shouldn't mm-hmm. be together. <laughs> but that reminds me of another TikTok, which I don't think I sent to you, but, I sent to, my, <laughs> but, but I sent to my partner. And in the TikTok, it's like somebody, you know, playing two personas, but talking with themselves. And they're like, the first person is like, oh, marriage is so hard. Like, Oh, we just have so many fights. And the other person is like, what do you mean? Like, I'm married and I don't fight like at all. And the other person's like, what do you mean? Like, fighting is just like part of marriage. And the other person is like, when we have a conflict, we talk about it like adults. And I also picked a partner who had compatible morals and goals with myself. Why would we fight? <laughs> and that just like, I don't know, like, that's nothing new to like, what I've been trying to like do with relationships, but it was just so clear and explicit of just like, yeah, I feel like fighting in relationships is so normalized. And obviously like you're probably going to fight at some point, like fights happen. People are human and fallible, but it's just like as somebody who is very conflict avoidant and therefore will communicate anything and over the top in order to avoid conflict. Like this just made so much sense because like, I don't know. I just always said like fighting doesn't make sense to me. Like if there is a conflict, find what it is and then resolve it. And like, if you don't agree, then like part ways. And it's just like, I don't, that just made so much sense to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so you're going to have disagreements mm-hmm. no matter what, like you're, there are going to be yes. situations where you're going to disagree for sure there is a difference between a disagreement and a fight and i think the difference is primarily emotion um and when you have feelings for someone as often happens when you are sharing a bed um (laughs) emotions you know get involved in the disagreements can sometimes turn into more emotional and that's when they become fights um but you can deal with fights in healthy adult ways i think you can introduce emotion into disagreements and still deal with them in healthy ways um but that is difficult it is a learned skill and not everyone has that skill so yeah (laughs) that's true i probably am biased because of who i am and also like i am just not the kind of person who ever gets like carried away by emotion. Like I am just very even keeled and like, that's just who I am. So yeah, I don't know. I, I don't like high excitement, high emotion. Like I get overstimulated easily. So I just prefer everything to be calm. So I suppose I am a little biased, but I don't know. I still just don't believe 
that there is any reason that people need to fight. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I yes, disagreements. <laughs> like disagreements happen clearly, but it's like, okay, what was the disagreement? Let's discuss it. What can we do to resolve it? I think, okay, maybe I've talked about this before, but like, I don't really believe there's like a point in blaming people because I feel like that's very retroactive. And it's like, if something happened, okay, figure out what went wrong and then do what you can to make it so it doesn't happen in the future. And like, maybe that means punishing someone so that, you know, to discourage others and discourage them. But it's like, I just don't see the point in like blaming someone. And this is very hypothetical and theoretical i do think it's important to hold people accountable yes no that's what i'm saying like you should you know make sure that like i don't know i just see the point is to like improve the future like you can't change what happened in the past so what can we do to improve the future and like yes you should hold people accountable but i just don't see the point of being like it's their fault like they're to blame and it's like sure but like let's be constructive about this situation yeah yeah Yeah, i don't know i'm i'm trying to remember like fights i've had with partners in the past and it's hard because i really haven't had many (laughs) uh because i'm trying to find something to relate this to because i'm i'm sure i've had fights with partners in the past yeah sebastian and i did have a couple of fights which Sebastian had been in far more relationships than I had been in. At least, well, he'd been in more traditional, I should say, relationships than I had been in. And when we had our first fight, it was when I was going through a really emotional time and I had wanted him to be there for me and he had not. And I was very upset with him for failing to provide the support that I expected from a partner. And for me that wasn't a deal breaker it was just i expressed that i was upset at the way he had handled things and that like sent him into a tailspin he like did not know how to handle the fact (laughs) that i had and i think in part that was because he had been with a partner in the past who had been really shitty to him and had like Mm -hmm. manipulated him and guilt tripped him into Mm -hmm. doing things and had been a really bad partner and so when i in a healthy way expressed that i was disappointed in his behavior I think his, you know, trauma response brain was yeah. like, uh, I'm terrible. And he freaked out. So, yeah, I, I think trauma can play into it, too. And past relationship experiences <laughs> mm-hmm. as well uh, play a factor in how people deal with disagreements. Yeah, no, that actually ties very well into something else I wanted to talk about. Because I recently had a very similar experience with my current partner, I said something as a joke in front of one of our friends and we later had to have a very long conversation about it (laughs) because of something that her very, very shitty past partner had like because of things that they had done. And so we had to have a very long conversation 
about a comment I made, um, but we handled it like adults. Um, yeah, Sebastian and I had to have a very long conversation about the use of the word fine because he all the time would check in with me and ask how I was and I would say fine, meaning that I was fine because I say what I mean and if I am not fine, I will tell you. Um, but I would say I was fine and he wouldn't believe me because he had had a past partner who again would use the word fine as like a passive aggressive, like I'm fine, like it's fine, I don't know, which I will occasionally do too, but I, I use a tone where it's clear that like, when I'm doing my, like, it's fine, I'm fine, everything's fine. Like, it's clear it's not. Um, but yeah, he would ask me how I was, and I would say, oh, I'm fine. And he would be like, oh, what did I do? And I'm like, nothing, I'm fine. He'd be like, oh, what did I do wrong? And I was like, you didn't do anything. What? <laughs> so I think, yeah, communication styles have a lot to do with, like, prior relationships you've had. And not even just mm-hmm. relationships. I mean, the way your family communicates with you, the way your childhood friends communicate with you, like all of the relationships you've had in the past play a role into how you interpret the world, you know, whether whether you perceive everything as attacking or whether you perceive everything as supportive. Like what is your what is your default when you meet someone new? Do you assume they like you or do you assume they're out to get you? Mm-hmm. Like a lot of it depends on all of the experiences you've had throughout your life. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, and so like the point that 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 I wanted to make was I think this is another TikTok that I probably sent you, but um, there was a TikTok and the first person was like, oh, like I I, I feel so jealous and like uncomfortable when like my girlfriend dresses, you know, how I perceive to be you know slutty, um, and the other person was like, yeah, no, yeah, that's valid, and the other guy was like yeah, I think I'm going to tell her that she has to change. And the other guy was like, that is not valid. And he's like, but you just said my feelings were valid. And he was like, yeah, your feelings are valid, but what you do with them or not. So anyway, Mm -hmm. we've got to the point of feelings are valid. What responses you have to them Mm. are questionable. But what that made me think of is, um, and like what you said with like doing things that trigger other people. Um, So like, and this, this also ties back into my thing about blame it's like feelings are valid, but I feel like you are also, let me work through this. I feel like people for the most part are responsible for their feelings. Um, and so like you should obviously try to treat people with respect and like obviously everything is subjective and like blah, blah, blah. But it's like, so I do something and that triggers someone but like, it's, I don't know, a banal thing, in my opinion, you know, it obviously depends on like your relationship with the person. But it's like, you should, you know, if you are triggered, then you can obviously go talk to the first person and be like, hey, this is the reaction I had just wanted to let you know. But I don't know that it's necessarily that person's like, responsibility or moral obligation to like not do that thing anymore. Because And obviously, I don't know, this is very context dependent and I haven't thought this all the way through, but yeah, I don't know. Like feelings are valid, but also you are responsible for them and your own happiness. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, and the thing about feelings is nobody knows what you're feeling, but you, right? So, I mean, like you, you also have a responsibility to communicate your feelings if you want anyone else to have any sort of responsibility in them, right? Because like... If you do something to me and it hurts my feelings, but I never tell you that it hurts my feelings, you're going to keep doing it and I have no idea. So, you know, but if I tell you, hey, you did this thing, it hurt my feelings in the future, I would appreciate it if you didn't do that thing 
because then my feelings would not be hurt by that thing. Then at that point, if you do it again, then it's on you because I have communicated my feelings and I've told you. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like, it's hard for me to make the case to make that widely generalizable because it's like, I don't know, like, I don't know, maybe this just isn't a pertinent case, but it's like, maybe me using the word buttercup is very triggering to you, but I like to say it. Mm-hmm. for whatever well, yeah. reason it's so like then at who that point, has the right you don't here. have to prioritize my feelings like you can decide me using the word buttercup is more important to me than whatever feelings it evokes in you like you can make that decision but you know if i never communicate to you my feelings then you never even need to know that's a decision you need to make but once i have communicated that then it's your choice whether you value my potential reaction to the word or your ability to use the word um feelings are annoying though that's what i talk about in therapy a lot is that i have a lot of feelings and i'm just like why why do i have these feelings (laughs) my therapist says the same thing you do where it's like you know your feelings are valid it's just your body communicating with your needs and your wants and feelings are fine and i'm like but feelings are so pesky and less of them be cool the last note i made while you went on your very long uh, spiel about friends with benefits was um, about kind of self-discovery in relationships mm-hmm. um, because prior to you know this year I had never really been in any sort of relationship and it had kind of been a goal of mine and it happened in the way I didn't expect um, but I guess I achieved it um, of like I was <laughs> like I want to like be in a sort of relationship which And like one of my goals, one of my reasons for that was because I was like, I think this will help me to like grow and mature and to like discover a lot about myself because like I've never been in a relationship. I don't know what it's like. Like, I don't know how I'll react, how I'll be like there's and like just being in a relationship for it's been like two months now. It's like I have learned a lot about myself and like communication and cohabitating. And like, Mm -hmm. so I don't know. I mean, I think it is valid that like. You can focus on yourself a lot more outside relation, but you can't discover a lot about yourself. Well, and I think in part because I have had so many friends with benefits ships with so many different people, I feel like I've gotten to learn a lot more about myself being with more people because people who have, you know, for lack of a better term, confined themselves to monogamous relationships can only be with one person. Like, well, for lack they, of a better word, have they, chained I, themselves, what? have locked themselves in this cave and thrown away the key. You know what I mean? Those people. Anyway, lots of people who have only been with one person at a time have been restricted i don't know how to put it they've only been with one person at a time so they've had less partners because they've only had one at a time and that limits the number of people one can be with i don't know how to phrase this shut up anyway (laughs) monogamy is valid i just don't get it anyway i have had a lot of people that i have learned from and learned about myself from and learned about my preferences and uh my wants and my needs and probably my boundaries too but i'm still getting better at setting those because i'm a fucking people pleaser (laughs) but yeah i've i've learned a lot about myself as a human being and i think i've grown and adapted i also am a big believer that you know every person you connect yourself to 
you know, kind of becomes a part of the fabric that is you, you know, like I've, I've taken pieces of every partner that I've had and they have become part of me. And I think I have, be, I have developed a broader, more holistic view of the world and life experiences because I've had a very diverse range of intimate relationships with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think particularly, and this isn't a critique of monogamy as much as it's a critique of people who only have intimate relationships in the context of romantic partnerships because i have had very very intimate meaningful relationships with people who i did not have sex with and would not have called a lover or a partner but they are still a part of my life history and have become part of who i am and i've learned things from them and i hope i've taught them things and yeah i think i think that's part of what i think makes life beautiful is making those connections and uh you know, I think I think you become a more fully formed person the more people that you let touch your life and kind of mold. Who, well, not I shouldn't say let mold, but people who. And I'm trying to phrase this in a way that doesn't make it sound like I'm just bending to the will of everyone around me. But I am. I was raised as a woman, and I was taught to do that. So <laughs> trying to be better about being my own person and not just bending to the will of whoever is around me. But um. Um, Well, so I think what you were originally saying is like, I think you were getting more at people who this this obviously isn't everyone. But I think the stereotype and probably the norm is that like in a mononormative heteronormative relationships, what can happen is that because women are tend are raised to be people pleasers is that women in monogamous heteronormative relationships can tend to kind of lose themselves to please their partner. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that is probably not a good place where you will do self-growth and self-discovery as opposed to what you were saying. The second thing, which is like, I do agree. And I think I've said before that like having multiple partners, I, I don't know. I think what I said before is having just, I like where you're going with this. I think, what I was, I don't want to generalize because I'm trying to do better about just talking about my experience and not projecting it onto other women. But I think for me, if I had gotten into traditional monogamous relationships, I would have conformed to that societal standard of being the supportive woman and sacrificing my own identity and autonomy for the sake of supporting a man. And I would have been fucking miserable. And I think part of what made friends with benefits ships so liberating for me was just the relationship anarchy aspect of it of like i didn't have to conform to those standards because i was doing a different thing i wasn't the girlfriend i wasn't you know i didn't owe them any emotional support or emotional labor because i i did not have that label and for me it was really freeing and i could be my authentic self because i wasn't agreeing to compromise any parts of myself through adapting adopting that label. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to, to say this. Cause obviously even monogamous people have multiple like relationships with like family and, you know, friends. Um, but what I like about polyamory is that I think when you do have like one significant other, I don't know. I, what I like about having multiple romantic, physical, and just like, you know, lots of partners with different aspects is like, I do think you are able to like be more 
I don't know, discover more about yourself. Cause I feel like if you're with one person too much, too often, then like you do, you like, you become a certain person with your, when you're with someone else. And so when you have many people that you're around, then you are able to like, I feel like keep a better hold on like who your real self is and not just fall into uh-huh. this person who you are yeah. when you're with a particular person, I think is yes. what I'm trying to say. I, I agree with that. And I think that experience is also, I keep tying this back to being a woman, but I was raised as a woman and that's a lot of who I am. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of that is is common for women to experience because we are so socialized to be people pleasers, right? And uh, so, yeah, if you spend too much time around one singular person, you just kind of mold to whoever they want you to be. And it's important to not trap yourself in that and to become your own person. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I just had to make a note because I remembered that I want to dye my hair sometime soon. <laughs> I was looking at myself yeah. in the camera and I was like, yeah, I want to dye my hair. <laughs> I recommend dyeing your hair. We dyed Melanie's hair pink over the weekend. It was a good time. Oh, that was another note. I was listening back to the podcast and you said you kissed Melanie? Question mark? At yeah, some a ton point? in college. In college. Yeah. All the time. Okay. I make out with a lot of my friends. Yeah, no, I'm I not saying sh- nothing I just, wrong with no. platonic makeouts. No, that's that's great. I just did not know that was a thing. Yeah, I support it and I encourage it. I just I, I, I didn't I, catch it for some reason when you said it the first time. It didn't process, and then I was listening to the recording and I was like, wait a second. <laughs> I kissed probably all of my friends at least once, particularly because of New Year's. Um, on New Year's is a common time, and St. Patrick's Day, various holidays when you know, the, the social barriers are down a little bit more and it's more acceptable to kiss your friends. But also just at parties and stuff, like, I don't know, sometimes you just make out. It's fine. <laughs> I don't know. It's fine. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've kissed almost all of my friends. Probably not all of them, but almost all of them. I'm trying to think if I've ever kissed Jackie. I don't think I've ever kissed Jackie. Well, you better get on that if you're moving soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jackie is in a committed monogamous relationship and I think the boundaries of her relationship would probably not permit us kissing. <laughs> I don't know. I have not asked. <laughs> who, is, who is Jackie's partner? Uh, Rick's roommate. Rick's, okay. And then Joe the, is Sebastian's roommate. Yes. <laughs> you really just are in a little web here. <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. Another TikTok I saw um, because I'm just I'm so deep in queer TikTok. Um, I can tell from the 16 unread TikToks I currently have from you. <laughs> well, some of them will seem redundant now because I have talked about several of them in this. Probably. But um, I'm, I'm there's just a trend in queer TikTok right now of making fun of people who are like, I don't use pronouns um, to be like anti-trans and like anti-queer and just making fun of them because it's like you do use pronouns. But it's funny because like, I feel like I, because at first I had the thought, I was like, well, it is possible to not use pronouns. Yeah. I Um, mean, pronouns are just shorthand for not using people's full names. So if your name is only one syllable, there's really no reason to use pronouns. Like you could just say Jen every time. You don't need to say she, her, hers. You can say Jen, Jen's, Jen's. Yeah, because it was funny because I saw that. And then I feel like I was like sending in an, a job application and they asked about pronouns. And I feel like one of the options was 
none. And I was like, that's interesting. Um, and so I don't want to like make fun of people who don't use pronouns, but it made me think of this like children's book that I read back in elementary that was like about using pronouns. And it was like this kid got transported to this alien planet where they didn't use pronouns. And so the joke is that like they all use their names for everything. So it's like Beepope likes Beepope's outfit today and it's like oh Beepope is you know such a good friend to you know schlogblorg um because it was just like oh they don't know what pronouns are and so it's just so funny because like on the tiktok where you know it's you you know it's usually people making fun of conservatives it's like you know it's like i don't use pronouns and it's like (laughs) the the thing was like when you say the statement i don't use pronouns it's like i is a pronoun sweetie like you use pronouns (laughs) is i a yeah, I guess I as a pronoun. So I mean, yeah, you could, but you could foreseeably not use like the she, her, her, he, him, his, they, them, theirs pronoun. Like yeah. I is gender neutral and you yeah. is gender neutral, but you could just not use any gendered or non-binary pronouns. Like instead of saying she, her, hers, you could always say gen, gens, gens in place of those things. Yeah, and yeah. No, that's what I don't I'm think saying. that would like, be entirely awkward. Like you could do that. Yeah. So it's just interesting because it's like. I don't know. I just feel like it's funny because like if like somebody did say that to me, like the the joke is that like when people say that they're trying to be like, I'm cis, like that's what they're right. trying to say. So it's funny because yeah. it's like if somebody said that to me, I'd be like, oh, this is Sarah, like Sarah's favorite color is purple. Like this is Sarah's dog and just like not use any pronouns whatsoever yeah. and just see Which how long it took them to notice. Valid. Yeah, you definitely could do that. That is a valid thing to do. That's your alternative to say them <laughs> is just using your name. Everybody has to have short names and we will no longer use pronouns. Um, yep. So I don't want to make fun of queer people who actually identify that way. I want to make fun of people who are trying to be transphobic by saying yes. they don't use pronouns. If you don't use pronouns, then like good for you. But if you do use cis pronouns, then you do use pronouns. Stop being a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, subscribe and leave us a review on your podcast app. If you really like us, like, like, like us, send this episode to a friend, family member, partner, your boss, anyone else in your social circle, the people you want to convert to polyamory, start a conversation. Feel free to send us any comments or questions over social media. So thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.